Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be Judges 14 and 1. Now Samson went down to Temna and saw a woman in Temna of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren, or among all my people, that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? <laughs> Not happy here, are are they? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that this was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Okay, so we know that they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and God handed them over to their enemy, to, over to the Philistines. Guys, I want you to understand something. When you go out and do evil things, and all this bad stuff blows up in your face, it's a good possibility it's because God handed that to you. And then we, oh, God, God would never give that to me. Yes, he does. Why would he do that? Because I'm a knucklehead sometimes, and I do dumb things. I do evil in the sight of the Lord, and he will hand you over to this mess. That's what he did, and they have dominion. The Philistines have dominion over the Israelites. But at that time, marriages were set up by the parents. Uh, Actually, there's still some cultures uh, that do that. We think it's a strange culture today, but that's how they did it. And But the Mosaic law, it prohibited Israelites to marry non-Israelites. They weren't supposed to do this. And so that's why Samson's parents objected. That's why, why can't you get somebody from our own group? Why, are you, why can't you find a woman of your brethren? Can't you find an Israelite woman? And so it wasn't only the Israelites who practiced circumcision at the time. There were other people groups that did too. But the parents said, you have to find a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. The reason they said that in that kind of a tone, oh, these uncircumcised Philistines, why are you... The reason they gave that tone like that, it was an insulting statement against the Philistines. They don't like the Philistines. The Philistines have been oppressing them. And, you know, we, we get oppressed as Christians. I don't think it was the level of, of oppression they were getting. They were starving their people. They were hurting people. It was bad, bad oppression. They don't think nothing good of the Philistines at all. And so you can tell they really resent the Philistines for the oppression that they've been under. And so Samson insisted they get this Philistine woman for him. Why? The key verse in verse is in verse 4. It says, the Lord was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. The Lord is looking for something he's going to use to get in there in the Philistines 
and have an occasion. The Lord is setting up a way to move against the Philistines from within the Philistines. That's why Samson is marrying in there so he can get inside. He, it's like a Trojan horse. You ever heard of a Tro, the, the Trojan horse? They built that Trojan horse, and the, 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 the guys in the castle saw it, and they pulled it inside, but there were men inside that Trojan horse. And in the middle of the night, the guys came out of the Trojan horse, and they attacked at night and, and took the castle. So that's kind of what's going on here, uh, that he's going to be like this Trojan horse that gets invited into the middle of the Philistines by marrying in, and then he's going to attack. Now, remember, in the past chapter, the angel of the Lord said Samson would begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And so God is positioning Samson. It said it was from the Lord, right? We saw that. That was from the Lord. He's positioning Samson to get in under their radar so that he could get in there in the middle and break the oppression. Now, Samson's parents didn't know that this was from the Lord. I mean, after all, like we said, the Mosaic law says do not intermarry like this. Don't marry in like this. Now, a question kind of hit me when I was reading this. Does this mean that breaking God's law was desired by God? Does that make it okay to break the law? No, it doesn't. So what we do see in this, though, is that Samson's marrying this Philistine woman was for a higher purpose of getting into position against the Philistines, which was God's own purpose and for God's own glory. Now, we can look at the whole law thing and go debate that to death and say, well, he shouldn't have done that. Israelites are not supposed to intermarry because the law said so. But God has this higher purpose at work here. And God does what he wants when he wants to move people. And so you're thinking, but Samson is violating the law. Yes, but even God can still use bad things for working a much bigger picture here. And so this breaking of the law is still going to be used for Uh, what God wants to do with the Philistines, because God is going to use all of this for saving Israel from Philistine oppression. Judges 14 and 5. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Okay, so we see that Samson's parents went with him to Timnah to arrange the wedding for the Philistine woman that he wanted. So now this lion attacks, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to enable him to tear him apart. Now I want you to realize that this does not say that Samson tore the lion apart by his own strength. A lot of people think that Samson was this this Arnold, almost looking like me kind of guy, real fit, muscular, and he just had this strength. That's not where his strength came from. Says the Spirit of the... Okay, (laughs) that's funny. Okay, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and that's where his strength came from. We don't know if he was ripped or not. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he had that power to do that. But it was not by his own strength. The Lord gave him the strength to do this, not by his own power. And guys, while we're on that, I want to let you know that when you're faced with trial, it's not by your power that does anything. That's why we got to pray for the Lord God to empower us. God, I don't have it. I can't do it. Of course not. That's why you need God to jump in and empower you like he did. So Samson tears the lion apart. 
but he does not tell his parents about it. He's not talking. Samson doesn't want anybody to know that they have a Superman Israelite that's about to intermarry with the Philistines. You're sending a, this, this super guy to marry in with the Philistines. Shh, don't let nobody know. <laughs> Element of surprise. See? Samson doesn't want anybody to know that a Superman is coming in. That would thwart the plan. The occasion that the Lord is setting up against the Philistines. And we got to get in there secretly. And so I know it says that Samson and his parents went to Timnah together, but apparently that when the lion attacked, his parents had proceeded onward to complete the betrothal agreement. They all went to Timnah, but this was at a point when Samson was by himself when his parents weren't there. And so his parents weren't there to witness this lion attack. They don't know that he tore this lion apart. Samson's not letting anybody know what the Lord has empowered him to do. He's in stealth mode. I call myself the stealth mode pastor because sometimes new people come in. They're like, hi, we're looking for the pastor. And I say, I'm him. And they look me up and down like you. (laughs) I'm the stealth pastor. You don't see me coming. (laughs) He didn't want the word getting out that he's capable of fighting like this. He needs to get deep into Philistine territory. And so the reason he didn't say anything about the lion is is because he's going to use the element of, of surprise. And so Samson speaks with the woman that he is betrothed to, and she pleased him well. He's like, okay, this is going to work. So things are getting set up right now for him to infiltrate the Philistines deep within their own family structure. Well, you want to do some damage, get in deep. And that's where he's going. He's marrying in. Judges 14 and 8. After some time when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Well, gosh, if I did that, you wouldn't want to hear about it either, would you? (laughs) I can see Joanna. I'm not eating that. You got that out of a what? So... Samson's (laughs) Samson's <laughs> pick on the germaphobe. That's what I do. So Samson's betrothal, that's like an engagement, but it's much stronger than being engaged. It's like it's like you're practically already married now, a betrothal. His betrothal is all set up for him and this Philistine woman in Timnah, they're they're gonna marry. So he goes back to get her. Meaning that he's on his way to be married. He's now on his way to the wedding ceremony. But when he gets this honey, he doesn't tell his parents where he got it from. Well, sure, if I dug honey out of a dead animal and handed it to you, would you eat it? No, but there's a little more to it than just that. Sounds gross, but that's not the reason why Samson didn't say anything. Remember, Samson is a Nazarite. He has taken the Nazarite vow. And as a Nazarite, they cannot come into contact with a dead body or else they become ceremonially unclean. Where is Samson headed right now? He's headed to get married. You can't get married ceremonially unclean. So he doesn't tell anybody that he stuck his hands in a lion's body and dug honey out of it. And that would have made him unclean, and that would invalidate him from being able to participate in the wedding. Now, Ray Samson's acting like a real weird case here. Yeah, he is. He is. Let's just keep going. But... If they found out the whole, about the lion's carcass, the whole wedding is off because Sam, Samson would have been unclean. 
Now, the Lord is maneuvering Samson into the middle of the Philistines, into the midst of them, through this wedding. And so Samson can't tell anybody where he got the honey from. It, that'll ruin the whole thing. Everybody go, you did what? Wedding's off. Bye. That's why he's not talking. He has to go through with the marriage to be positioned in place for the Lord's occasion against the Philistines. Okay, you're asking the question, because kind of I did, so why did Samson do all this? If this endangers, why did he do this? If this endangers his position that, he's, that we're trying to do, we're trying to get in among the Philistines, why would he dig in there and get that honey out? Why, why is he doing this stuff? We'll answer that question shortly. Like I said, uh, Samson's being kind of a knucklehead. I'm one too. <laughs> we know we all are. We'll get to that. Judges 14 and 10. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there, for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Okay, so while we're on the subject of violating Nazarite vows, because we've already seen him do that by reaching into a dead body of a lion, let me suggest another possible layer onto the trouble that Samson is making here. It does not directly say this in the passage. But there in verse 10, it says Samson gave a feast. Typically, that feast involved drinking wine. That's a marriage feast. They drank wine at a marriage feast. You remember when Jesus, his first miracle was turning water into wine. That was at a marriage party. And so it doesn't directly say so in the text, but it's highly likely, it's possible, possible that Samson might have participated in drinking of the wine, given his track record. We're seeing his track record. He's breaking vows all the time, right? So that's what they did at these uh, feasts. Uh, so he may have violated the Nazarite vow again. Nazarites aren't supposed to drink wine or even eat grapes. And Samson has gotten into a habit of violating vows. And we're eventually going to see another violation soon that's going to be played out again. Another violation that happens when his hair gets cut off because Nazarites are not supposed to have a razor touch their head. So we see a lot of Nazarite vows getting broken here. Nazarites never cut their hair. It was a, it was a sign of, here's how long I've been in the vow, and th- that's just a mark. It's like this wedding ring. This is a mark on me that means I belong to somebody. I'm devoted to my wife. That long hair meant I'm devoted in a Nazarite vow to God. That's what the picture was. But we're going to see that play out again. There's a lot of vows being broken here. In keeping, when we keep up with these violations, we'll see that later when his hair gets cut, that's when God will remove the Spirit's power from Samson. Okay, so we see him already committing these things he's not supposed to do. And so these 30 companions here in verse 11 that were brought to him, these were friends that would have been provided by the Philistine family. And so Samson is marrying in, and 30 Philistines are brought up to party with him. And things are getting set up for the, for the Lord for a strike against the Philistines. Judges 14 and 12. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. 
Now, for three days, they could not explain the riddle. Okay, so Samson, he puts a wager on the riddle. He doesn't just give them a riddle. He puts a wager on it to kind of heighten things up. Let's make this real interesting. <laughs> he's, he's looking to pick a fight. <laughs> so let's put a wager on it. Remember, the Lord is setting things up to strike against the Philistines. And so this wagering up is going to increase the pressure. Now, remember, Samson told nobody what happened with the lion. He didn't even tell his parents. He told nobody. And so that's why he structured his riddle around what he did with this lion. That's what this is about. That's what the riddle is about. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. He's telling this riddle to test the Philistines to see if they are aware of the great strength God gave him. He's wanting to know, do they know what I did with this lion? He wants people to think he's an ordinary guy so he can infiltrate the Philistines with the element of surprise. And so I think the reason he heightened the wager so that if anyone knew about his strength, they would have this big desire to gain all these nice clothes, and that would make them admit, admit that they know what he did. Yeah, I know what you did. You killed that lion over there. Where's my clothes, man? Come on. He heightened it up to make somebody cough it up. If any one of these 30 guys, anybody knew, and he gave them all this whole seven days to figure it out. If anybody knew, they would want to say that they knew because they would get something out of it. If nobody can answer the riddle, then Samson would be assured that his strength was a secret. So it was going to work out. See if anybody knows what I did. This riddle and the wager is what Samson is going to use to make the Philistines admit it if they know about him, or it's going to show Samson that he still has the element of surprise. Judges 14 and 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother, so should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her. All right, here's what it is. Then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. She went and told. Now remember, the Philistines are not Samson's friends. They are a very rough and wicked people who have been oppressing Israel. And so they're going to resort to cheating to get the answer to this riddle. That's the kind of people they are. They don't, and they threatened her. They're going to resort to cheating. They're going to make threats over a wager that they agreed to. Remember they said, pose your riddle. They stepped in it. Now deal with it. Now that you don't have to cheat. If you ask me, I'd say if you can't take it, you shouldn't have jumped into it. So they're, they're cheating. And they even implied that Samson's wife was involved in a scheme to steal from them when they asked, did you invite us to take what's ours? And so they're also blaming her, threatening her to get what they want. Does that sound anything like our society today? They will blame you, and they will threaten you, and and they will attack you to get what they want for their gain. I hate it. It's terrible. Sore losers. So they agreed to take this riddle publicly, but now they're mad they can't figure it out. 
And they think Samson is going to make a fool out of them, and they won't stand for it because they are the Philistine oppressors. We're supposed to be better than you. They don't want to take that from Samson. They want to know what the answer is. They want the upper hand. And so she nags Samson for seven days. Who left? (laughs) Was that you, Anna? (laughs) My wife. She nagged him for seven days. You just made that whole section of the message so much better. That'll wear anybody out. But this is also where we start to see the flaw in Samson, the weakness in this big, strong man that can tear lions apart with his bare hands, but women could make him cave in. There's a weakness there. And so she gets the answer, and she betrays Samson, the man that she had just married, that she's supposed to be devoted to, right? And hands it to the Philistines. Gives it straight to them. Can you all see all the deceit that's going around? Everybody is doing wrong all kind of ways. The Lord is setting up the one little spark that's going to ignite an explosion that will be the big fight against the Philistines. Judges 14 and 18. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. Woo, plowed with my heifer. (laughs) I read that and I thought, whoa, Nelly. Things did not work out the way Samson thought it would go, did it? This didn't work out quite the way he thought. And you can tell it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to by how mad he is because his wife betrayed him. And now this calling her a heifer, I like to look at biblical context, what things meant back then, and I'm here to tell you, calling a woman a heifer meant the same thing back then as it does right now, okay? He's so mad. He called her a big, fat, stupid cow. And it means the same thing. And just for some fun, I have the biblical proof of it. Jeremiah 50 and 11. Because you have grown fat like a heifer, threshing grain. There it is. Hosea 4.16, Israel is stubborn like a stubborn heifer. Stubborn, stupid, fat cow. That's what he called her. Whew, the Philistines got mad. Samson's wife got mad, and now Samson, boy, I tell you what, he is mad. (laughs) This whole thing just backfired on him, didn't it? Backfired on him. Guys, don't you ever go call your wives that. What's in the Bible? Samson did it. I can do it too. No, you can't. Don't do that. This whole thing just backfired. But you know what? Even in man's best efforts, it's still never enough to thwart the plans of God. Because the Lord set out to start an offense against the Philistines, and despite Samson's goofing around and messing around, violating vows, trying to plan things out the way he thinks it should turn out, It is the Lord who wanted to start the occasion with the Philistines his way, not man's way. And now here it comes. Flame on. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.